When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Purple Daily, what's going on? Realistic Randy Rants every Monday with my main man, Realistic Randy. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl Before we die, Uh, the last time Randy and I spoke was to kind of talk about Kirk Cousins and preview things a little bit against the Eagles. But since we've last spoke, Randy, we've actually, the Vikings have played two games. Kind of crazy how how things can go in just a week. Uh, But they get their butts kicked in Philly, whatever. We don't need to talk about that anymore. We we did that over the last week or so. I know you did the same thing on your YouTube channel as well. Hit the subscribe on on his YouTube channel, Realistic Randy Rants. But, Randy, the Vikings prevailed. It wasn't the prettiest of games against the Detroit Lions. It doesn't matter. The Vikings are 2-1. A lot of things were a little chaotic, but at the end of the day, Kirk gave them the dagger win. Your thoughts on the Vikings' win over the Detroit Lions? Justin Jefferson has struggled the last two games. The Philly game, he just got punked by Darius Slay. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday... His body language was not great. He looked like a guy that didn't want to be there. And I'm only guessing here, but perhaps, maybe, just maybe, the Philly game put him in such a bad mood that it carried over into yesterday. Either way, he needs to get over it. But in a weird way, I'm glad that that happened because it forced Kirk Cousins to look elsewhere. A reminder, Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne are excellent players last year they combined for 17 touchdowns yesterday they tied for first in targets with eight apiece that's after combining for 17 targets through the first two games the results were that while Jefferson had a bad game and was a non-factor Thielen and Osborne they put the passing game on their backs and Adam Thielen as great as he is is most dangerous in the red zone The last two years, he's had 20 red zone touchdowns. Yesterday's game, down 14-0. First and goal at the one. Play action, touchdown, Adam Thielen. And then K.J. Osborne, he had the dagger with 45 seconds left. With Jefferson, if he has a bad game, it's not the end of the world for this offense. Furthermore, I I feel like after the Green Bay game where he put up 184, Jefferson did, and even in the Philly game where he wasn't great, but they force-fed the ball to him, I believe he had 12 targets on the day. 
Detroit, I guess rightfully so, they came into yesterday's game saying, okay, we need to shut this dude down. Double, triple teams, whatever we have to do. And if that is the case, you've got single coverage either with Thielen and or Osborne. Shred these defenses. Make them respect all of the receivers that you have. And then to where they say, okay, we got to balance it out here, and Justin Jefferson will get better looks. Don't let the offense rest on whatever 18 does because you're better than that. Mm. That was a great win yesterday, and I think it's good to get that out the way early to say, oh, yeah. Reminder, we still have good players beyond number 18. Shred defenses, however necessary. Before uh, I kind of make my point about Jefferson that I, that I told Mackie and Judd about, um, just more context of how good K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen have been. Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune did a pretty unique piece on K.J. Osborne basically being Cousins' go-to guy in two-minute drills for the last two seasons going back to 2021. So in the last two minutes of games, um, K.J. Osborne has 20 catches on 31 targets. Jefferson has 19 catches on 32 targets. Thielen, 16 catches on 22 targets. So when the game has kind of been in crunch time, it's actually been K.J. Osborne who has kind of risen up and been the guy who has got a lot of those balls um, in clutch situations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad the offense got spread around a little bit. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad the wealth was there. I will take the win anyway. If he threw the damn ball to Johnny Munt, um, I, we'd be obviously singing a completely different uh, praises on this episode. But to the Jefferson point, your Philly, when you said in Philly, like he, that might have been a little bit of a reality check of, all right, this stunk, like Darius Slay locked me up. Kirk was throwing my way an awful lot. Sometimes I was being held, but also that there was a chance the Riders had no, no opportunity to catch the ball. And then his body language, too, against the Lions. I noticed the same thing. I said, something just, something seems off a little bit. Now, maybe this is finally teams recognizing opponents saying, let's take away Justin Jefferson, and can the Vikings still beat us? Can, can the Vikings still beat us if we lock things down, we double up, we bracket them, we do something to shut down Jefferson? Do, does Osborne and Thielen have enough for the Vikings passing attack to still beat them? Now, so far, I guess if you're an opponent in that type of theory that I laid out, the Vikings are one and one. So they got their butts kicked in Philly with Jefferson being taken away. They won a last-second kind of ditch effort against the Lions with Jefferson being taken away. But it worked. A win's a win. I'll take the win. Um, but you'd like to think that with the receiver of Justin Jefferson's pedigree, when he's shut down like that for two consecutive games, and we'll talk about the Saints game later on in this podcast episode, but you have to think that when a guy is shut down for those two games, it ain't going to last long. Like he doesn't seem like a he doesn't seem like a wide receiver who's going to have another you know four catch forty five yard effort like he did yesterday against the Lions. It's probably going to be another Justin Jefferson big breakout play. But it was kind of nice still, like, off your main point, to see this offense spread around the wealth a little bit. I don't think it's going to carry over into the next game because with the Philly game, you just got beat up. I, we, can t- we can stop the whole Jefferson, he's unguardable, because at least one guy was able to prove it in Darius Slay. And I feel like yesterday was more mental than anything else. At one point, head coach Kevin O'Connell was talking on the sidelines with Jefferson, I guess trying to get him to Mm -hmm. calm down and get back in the game. I don't think this will carry over into the Saints game because if nothing else, the film that you have on the Vikings now is that, oh, crap, well, Thielen and Jefferson, Thielen and Jefferson, Thielen and Osborne, they're still there. So we have to account for them as well. So because of that, I feel like Jefferson will get better looks. But, yeah, it's only temporary. You can't 
he can only be down for so long, and I think it's two games max for him. Yeah, I, I, I got to imagine, too, the London game. I know it's not like a crazy national spotlight. I mean, it's at 8.30 my time. I mean, RIP for you, dude. You got to be up at like 6 a.m. to watch that on the West Coast. So sorry sorry about that. 6.30, don't care. Kids are still napping. I'll make it happen. But are, are you an early riser as it is? Ish. It yeah. depends. For Vikings football, I'll get up <laughs> whatever the hell they're playing. Whenever time they're playing, I will You'll get up there. and watch them. But my kids, they'll, be, they'll still be sleeping. They'll probably get up with about an hour and a half left to go as far as the game. Yeah. So I'm good. It'll be nice and quiet. 6.30 a.m. I'll be fine. Until dad yells the TV if Kirk throws like a pick six in the first play, and then, then yeah, all hell might break loose. That, that, yeah. that could happen. Um, another good takeaway, Randy, from that game was this offensive line that continued just it, – it's like quietly been just very good. Um, and that's the kind of all we, we've kind of been asking for. So Christian Derrissaw specifically, I saw the pro football focus grades come out. He was just an absolute beast in pass blocking and run blocking. Um, he was legitimately graded as one of the best tackles in uh, in week three in the NFL on Sunday. And just in general, like Garrett Bradbury hasn't been a complete disaster. Funny enough, Ed Ingram's been the one that's been a little bit, hey, you'd like to see him pick it up, but he's also still a rookie. Like you, the, Give him a longer leash before you start calling heads. The Vikings offensive line, Randy, has finally been exactly what we've all been wanting it to be, which at the very least is just league average. And it's been even, at, I would say, kind of above expectation so far. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the offensive line yesterday was fantastic. They were the best group for the team by far yesterday. And that includes Garrett Bradbury. I've been looking for every which way to say I'm done with this dude. Get him out of here. His run blocking has always been decent but in pass protection he was excellent now there was a healthy amount of double teams and single blocking assignments for Bradbury the double teams mostly with Ed Ingram but even in one-on-one situations that touchdown to Adam Thielen that was a one-on-one situation for Bradbury and he held his own shout out to him Ed Ingram I think Pass protection could use some work, but run blocking is really good. Ezra Cleveland has gotten better. Brian O'Neill, we know how great he is. Christian Derrissaw, listen, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be the next Trent Williams. That's a big ask. But I will say this. As far as the left side, you don't even have to think about it. Mm -hmm. It is amazing to where... First off, if a defensive lineman, if an edge rusher, even if they technically beat you on the play, let's say they do an arm swim and they get past you, and all they got to do is do a quick turn to get to the quarterback, his recovery, Christian Derisaw, is so great to the fact that his footwork, his agility, he recovers in time to push you far behind the pocket. So for Christian Derrissaw, it's like, hey, bro, how do you want it? You want me to stand you up at the line of scrimmage? Or do you do you want me to take you out of the play altogether by pushing you beyond the pocket? And it reminds me, as far as Trent Williams, yesterday's game, Niners-Broncos, I kind of took this for granted. I was watching Trent Williams every single play, and it's, man, you don't, you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. He's good. And then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He got hurt in that game. They took him out, and they had two replacements. The first guy came in. I don't remember their names. 
The first guy came in, and the immediate pressure on the left side was so noticeable that after one drive, they took him out and put someone else in. That value of not having to worry about the blind side, left side, strong side, blind side, remember the Titans, that value is so great. Christian Derrissaw is just forged steel. He is so great in his second year. He's only going to get better. But bigger picture, the offensive line, they were great yesterday. I don't know if that's going to last because against the Eagles, not great. Against the Packers, they struggled as well. But the Lions, they have a pretty good pass rush. That was a good showing by the offensive line yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that that pick of Christian Derrissaw might be, um, you know, Rick Spielman's last good hurrah with the Vikings that, you know, he kind of traded back to get him. Um, I know he was basically put in the doghouse by Zimmer because he wasn't all the way healthy and basically missed or wasn't active for the first eight games of the season. But then when he got in last year, you saw, oh, there's definitely some promise here. And through three games, like the Vikings might have those pillar positions on their offensive line. Obviously, Brian O'Neill's pretty, been pretty damn good since he debuted with the Vikings five years ago, but now you got the left side figured out in Christian Derrissaw. And even when Dalvin Cook went down with, with his apparent injury, and we'll see if he actually plays against the Saints on Sunday, we saw kind of similar things that we've always seen from this Vikings running game. If they're without Dalvin Cook, Alex Madison can still be a serviceable running back. He's not the explosive player Dalvin Cook is, but they're still able to create holes for him. Alexander Madison filled in nicely. Um, I think the only thing that's weird to me is the line seems better, but yet Kirk still gets in those kind of like happy feet moment where he like feels the pressure in coming. And, and uh, you know, Mackey's thing has always been at least for the last few weeks as pressures and like, you're just going to get pressured. It's, 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 it's inevitable in the NFL pass rushes now are now really, really, really good. Um, but it just seems like Kirk will still have some of those happy feet moments where he'll either check down or just make a complete buffoon of himself trying to, trying to make a throw happen. So you'd like to see him, I think, step up and be okay with that because this might be the best offensive line Kirk has probably ever played with in Minnesota. And that's a low bar to clear, but through three games, it it certainly looks like it is. Yeah, they should have won by more in that game yesterday, I feel like. With the offensive line playing as great as they did, that's that's probably in the, he's been here for what, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 now, his fifth season with the Vikings. That's probably the best showing that he's had from his offensive line. I feel like the Vikings, they could have capitalized more, but I don't know if Kirk was just in. He he wasn't as bad as he was in the Eagles game, but there were moments I feel like the game didn't need to be as close as it was. Certainly, we can talk about the defense the first three quarters, but I feel like we should have won by a lot more instead of the last second KJ Osborne touchdown because that offensive line was excellent. Run blocking, pass protection. I I haven't seen anything like that except maybe since 2017, but Case Keenum was such a mobile quarterback that right. he made up for the deficiencies of the offensive line. That was a great job by them, Garrett Bradbury and everybody else. Keeping it on Kirk for just a bit here before we go on the defensive side of the ball. So we've now seen three games uh, from this Vikings offense. I guess, uh, you know, if, if you were to grade Kirk through these first three games, who's always, by the way, been a very slow starter. September's been kind of his weird month where he's had some just absolutely terrible games. He's been a non-factor in games. Um, I just think about the opener against the Falcons in 2019 where he only threw for like 80 yards. And that next week against Green Bay, he was just awful. 
Obviously, in 2020, the Vikings got off to such a disastrous start, but then he rebounded and played very, very well. But through these three games in 2022 and with Kevin O'Connell, obviously against the Packers, I mean, that was a, a performance, right? Like, that was that was as good as it's probably going to get. Uh, Jefferson has a career day. He makes big throws. He finds open players. He wasn't checking down. It was solid. Then I get the Monday night game against the Eagles where it's like classic primetime Kirk where there's positions where the Vikings could actually still come back in this game and he's forcing balls where he shouldn't be throwing them and the happy feet moments. And then yesterday, probably somewhere in the middle of the first two games, right? Certainly wasn't as clean as it was in week one, but he didn't play disastrously enough where he, uh, disastrously enough where he was going to lose you the game. And in fact, he won you the game with the final drive that he played. I guess if I was grading Kirk through three games, I would probably give him a B minus. I think that's probably where I'd fall. I don't know if where you would go on that, but I think through three games and knowing his history as being a slow starter, I think right now it's about a B minus. I, I'm glad that this happened early enough to where, and Kirk is such a nerd to where I know he studies enough to say, okay, this is where I struggled at. Let's get better. Let's spread the ball around. I know where to hit my targets at. And the Eagles game, you know what? It's only right. Of course, this would happen that on Monday, the video that we did, Declan Goff, where I sat there and sung Kirk's praises and say, you guys need to lay off. Yeah. He's fine. He's great. He's he has the he has the infrastructure. He has the coaching staff. He has the support system and culture. You guys are too hard on him. And of course, he follows that up with one of the worst games I've ever seen. Now, what I will say in his defense is that he's good for this, I would say, once a year. You don't see many games like that from Kirk, what we saw in Philly last week. It was the equivalent of the 2020 Falcons game, 2019 Bears game at Soldier Field. Now, if we see more of that, then I'm on board to say, you know what, bro? Draft a rookie quarterback, and we'll figure it out from there because that's unacceptable. But the Lions game was such a hit-and-miss game for him. There were too many instances where on third down, he was he was actively target, targeting the short passes yeah. to where you know the only way that you would get a first down is if your man breaks off a tackle or two. That was unacceptable. However... He also made the throw to K.J. Osborne to basically seal the game. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, I'm glad this happened early. Hopefully the next stretch of games he figures it out to say, okay, I know where I need to get better at because the excuses are gone. The main thing that I've always said that has held him back, that has held this team back, is the head coach. Well, he's gone now. How many times has Kevin O'Connell got up on that podium and just said, oh, Kirk Cousins is great. I love this guy. I want him to be my quarterback. That is gone. We can't talk about the defense being an issue. You have some of the best collection of playmakers in the league. You got to win games. There are no excuses. I've said that this is the year that you can legit judge him as a quarterback. Because the big bad wolf is gone. No longer has to worry about that. What we saw in Philly, I said, oh, my God. First off, I look like a complete idiot singing his praises. But also, I mean, you can't really defend this guy. And for much of that Lions game yesterday, 
It was more of the same. However, he made timely throws. He did enough to get us the win. It was nasty. I felt like I needed to take a shower after that game. It was so gross. Let's see what they do the rest of the season. Maybe it's better to have this sort of hiccup earlier rather than later. I agree, man. Yeah, it, it just it, it seems like if you're gonna get these kinks out now, do it right now. Don't don't absolutely you know yes. wait until you're eight and one, and then you know you get through something, uh, hit the adversity in November, where then it gets really rocky. And you know, obviously everyone loves the Kirk Tober talk. He's been he always does really well in October, November. Um, but yeah, he he's notoriously a slow starter. It's a brand new system. You know, I, I would say even like the Vikings offense itself hasn't gone up to the potential it should be right like it, no, it has we, we, we really thought it was going to be great but on the flip side um the defense actually has been a bending but not break kind of kind of unit so far it's not going to be someone that stops you in, on every play and in fact they're still getting gashed in the run defense but they've allowed no points in the fourth quarter which is obviously a humongous win for that unit after being the worst in the league last year uh, allowing points under two minutes um, pressure rate's not great. I my my bone to pick with the defense, and there's you know some some to do so far. Is I I need more from Daniel Hunter, Randy. Like he's got two pressures through three games. I think Zadarius Smith has been fine, and I don't think it's that Daniel Hunter's been a liability. I just need to see more from him. And I think if those two dudes really start pressuring, getting after the quarterback like they have in their careers, well then that defense can be really damn good. The defense has been the ultimate bend but don't break but the pass rush has been a problem and that's that's ridiculous our pass rushers are daniel hunter and zadari smith yeah man they should combine for 30 sacks this year the secondary has been a mess they cam dantzler was in the eagles game i thought he was really good but then in the lions game he was a disaster chandon sullivan turned out to be the problem that I thought he always would be. P2 started off really bad, but he made up in the second half. And the defensive line, this has been a problem the last two games. They can't create pressure. And I understand that the last two games, you faced the two best offensive lines in the league. But the turnover, the turnover differential is zero. Okay. 30th in total defense, yet somehow 10th in scoring defense. Yeah. They're at their best in the fourth quarter. You're two and one, and that's great. But I need to see better adjustments for the first three quarters. For Ed Donatel, especially in that Eagles game, just sticking to zone coverage and having the corners play five to seven, eight yards off their man pre-snap. Is this Ed Donatel or Mike Zimmer running the show for the defense? What's happening here? I need to see better adjustments, but my goodness, that I don't think this is sustainable. You, you got to come up with something in the first three quarters to at least make this competitive because as the competition gets stronger, well, guess what? The fourth quarter defense has been the bread and butter for this team. I don't think that's going to last. And assuming that doesn't, what are you going to do in the first three quarters so far? And yesterday, I was ready to sit there and bring out the pitchforks for Ed Donatel and say, I don't even care if we're three games in. Fire this dude! Yeah. But the fourth quarter defense has been remarkable. Just get it together for the first three quarters, and it doesn't have to be so hard for the final 25% of the game. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's that the pressure has been non or not an issue. It's just I need to see more from it. I, I need to see if those two dudes and Daniel Hunter, Darius Smith, get after it more. It's just going to make the life a lot easier. And Ed Donatel, yeah, I you know I think they're you know they're playing this zone scheme because it's trying to make up for the lack of really good personnel they have. But dude, it, it's really not working. It's not too working well. though. It's not working. Yeah, no, it's not. It's ugly, and and teams are running up and down against the Vikings still, and that run defense isn't isn't going to be fixed. So, you know, DeAndre Swift was injured yesterday. Jamal Williams ended up having still a, a halfway decent day, um, but that is just a leaky thing. But if you are good in the red zone, right? If you're good at getting a big old fourth down stop, like the Vikings did to get the offense back on the field and win the ball game. All right, I can live with some of that bend not break. But when you're thirtieth in points or thirtieth in yards, but tenth in points. I mean, there's typically going to be some type of discrepancy that brings you back down to earth hard, but there is going to, have to be some adjustments. Uh, Randy, your level of, again, concern here uh, with Lewis Seen really not be able to find the field here. Are, are you concerned with his play? Are you worried that Kwesi just missed a pick here? What's your kind of overall feel on Lewis Seen so far? I'm going to try to be as nice as I can right now because... I've tried to move on from this, but now with the way it's gone to where Josh Metellus is starting over Lewis scene, I don't know if I can hold my breath anymore. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa screwed up that draft so bad. If nothing else, by the trades they did, the first two trades that they did between the Lions and the Packers to where you did all that work for Lewis Seen. And now he is the third string safety on the depth chart. Harrison Smith did not play yesterday. So that should have been literally the red carpet for Lewis Seen to play. And he didn't. Why didn't he not play? Why was he not ready to play? I don't know what to say about this because on one hand, it's not his fault that he got put in this position, but any other team, we're talking about a first-round pick, and he's third on the depth chart, or if nothing else, third in line to play on the field. Josh Metellus is playing ahead of this guy. I'm so annoyed by this because you could have had nothing against Lewisine. I think he could be a good player. Maybe the coaching isn't getting him up to speed in time, or maybe he's just not a good player. You could have had Jordan Davis, yep. even with Jamison Williams being on, I don't know if he's on the pup list or IR, whatever it is. When he comes back, he's going to be a good player. You had options there. You chose Lewis C. You did all this work to get this guy. Quasi Adolfo Mensa screwed up that draft so bad. I don't give a damn about what PFF has to say about, well, the trade value and all this stuff. It was stupid. And maybe he'll learn from this next year as far as the second draft that he has to work with. But you did all that work for a safety that can't get on the field when one of our starting safeties can't play. That's ridiculous. And it's, it's stupid. It's it's a legitimate player who was damn good in Georgia. Like he's coming from like one of the best defenses of NFL, uh, college defenses of all time. Um, so that part's the really frustrating part. And like Josh Mantellis, hey, I'm glad Josh Mantellis has worked his ass off and went from a practice squad guy to being a fringe roster dude and, and finding some snaps last year. But then, like, I, I think the thing that really irks me is 
Well, Ed Danton, well, he got hurt. It really uh, hurt up his development. How? 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 How much was a, was a quad injury in, in a yes. in a preseason that much the difference that Josh Metellus has to start over him? And then why are we? And this is I, I probably know the answer to this, but like then why are you blatantly lying and saying yeah no we expect Josh Metellus and Lewis Seen to to see some time there? And if Metellus would have started and Lewis Seen got in thirty three percent of the snaps compared to Metellus at sixty six percent of the snaps. I would have just been like, oh, okay, they got the rookie in. Maybe there are some things they liked, and maybe there are things he has to work on. He played zero snaps, right? Zero snaps on the defensive side. He played special teams again. That part really bugs me. And, I, and look, that line was a lot like this, too. The Vikings are 2-1. and one. The Vikings won a game against know, the Lions. I know, I know. And, and, and there's, but there's still frustrating things that were happening. I think it's just you, you traded back. It was the whole, it reminded you of Rick Spielman. And unfortunately, Lewis Seen now becomes kind of like a poster child for this. And I don't really blame the kid. I kind of blame more of the coaching and the organization than I do Lewis Seen. The scouting, you should have figured it out. From making those trade backs, you gave up your second round pick. The Vikings did. In order to make this move, it was one of the dumbest trades I've ever seen in the draft by this team. But you said it because, damn it, we need this guy. And he went on Twitter. Lewis seen, I'm paraphrasing here. He posted a picture of himself. I think he said something along the lines of, in due time. This was the time for him to play. He's a first-round draft pick. And he can't play. He's not ready to play. You trust Josh Metellus over this guy? What is happening yeah. right now? Brutal. That was so stupid. And, and now, it, oh, my God. It is blowing up in Quasi's face. They're 2-1, and one, and let's not bitch and moan, and it's great. But there was, this was so dumb that did you need to make this? Cam Bynum has been struggling. Yeah. In the Philly game, he was awful. And I was just saying, oh, put Lewis Seen in. But, oh, my God, we can't do that because we have Josh Metellus. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and it's 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 last thing on this before we we move on. He, he's playing safety. He's playing a position that like I don't think, and maybe I'm just being an idiot here. I don't think picking up safety is as hard as being a starting cornerback right away. That's hard. That's hard to be a starting cornerback right away in this league. But like he gets to play next to Harrison Smith potentially, who I know was out yesterday with the concussion. I thought life was going to be a lot easier, and that transition was going to be a lot smoother. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't. One last negative thing here, Randy. One last negative thing before we move on and talk a little bit of previewing against the Saints in London. Herb Smith, man. Um, what is, is it just time to say, you know what, as much as the Tyler Conklins and the Johnny Munns and, and the non-athletic tight ends of the world that don't really compare to Herb Smith, is it time to just kind of, you know what, Herb Smith is just never really going to pan out and we should probably just move on from his idea because he's always just been a theory in general. What, what, what's your opinion on another kind of rough go of it for Herb Smith? I'm done with Irv Smith Jr. I am 100% done with this guy. I owe Johnny Munt and Ben Ellison an apology because they have been way more productive and efficient compared to Irv Smith Jr. He had the touchdown against the Eagles week two, and I get that. But for every good play that Irv makes, there's about five boneheaded plays to follow. The guy can't catch the football, Declan Goff. That's a problem. If you're a tight end, he's as athletic. You remember a couple of weeks ago when I talked about this and I said, you know what? When I play 
sports, football, basketball. I'm the guy. I'm athletic. I can run routes. I can get my separation. I can do well. Earth can't even get separation, but whatever. But I'm the guy when it comes to executing an open court layup or catching the football. There's about a 50 50 shot that I'm <laughs> going to screw it up, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Earth Virginia, except he's in the pros. He is finished. You remember when we talked about this heading into the season that, and I, when I think about this, I just laugh. We talked about this, Declan Goff, saying as far as, well, we expected Irv to ball out and the contract that he's going to need after this year. And what are we going to do? Justin Jefferson, he's going to need his contract too. How do we balance that out? We can throw that in the trash. This man, he cannot catch the ball. And separation. He can't separate from linebackers. Linebackers, the worst defenders against any athletic tight end in the league. He can't get any sort of space between those guys. The last two games, we've seen that from Irv Smith Jr. And you can't catch the ball. And you know what's crazy? The Eagles game. The Eagles game where there was that it would have been a clear touchdown for Irv. I don't know what the yardage was. It would have been at least 30 yards for an easy touchdown. But the difference is when the ball is being thrown to a wide-open Jefferson or a wide-open Thielen, or yesterday with 45 seconds left, a wide-open pass to K.J. Osborne, mid-pass, and I see the camera moves to that player, I say, oh, okay, he's got the ball. What are we going to do from here? I said that same exact crap. When it was thrown to Earth, okay, he's open. All right, what are we going to do? And he dropped it. The pass could not have been thrown more perfectly than what Kirk Cousins did, and he dropped it. He should literally never see the field again. I don't have the exact targets for this guy, but I know that when it comes to tight end depth, let me give you a rundown of who I want on our tight end depth chart, Declan Goff. All right. Johnny Munt. Ben Ellison, C.J. Ham, Eric Kendricks, <laughs> Luigi Belain. Uh, goodness, maybe well, Garrett Bradbury. I would put him there, but he's been playing well as center. Ty Chandler, I, me, you, anybody. He should literally never see the field again unless he plays special teams. He has been a disaster. We don't have to worry about a contract after this year. Yeah. He's as good as gone. Yeah, you move on. Uh, six targets, two receptions for Irv Smith Jr. Uh, in yesterday's loss. So he was targeted six times. For uh, context, Justin Jefferson was also targeted Tied six for times. Second. Tied for second. Yeah, With Justin brutal. Jefferson, that's ridiculous. It can't happen. All right, man, we got, the, we got the negative stuff out of the way. Vikings are 2-1. and one. Getting on a plane. They're flying another bleeping continent. They get the Saints uh, in New Orleans or against New Orleans in London. Um, your thoughts on this game going in here, Randy, a chance for the Vikings to go up to three and one saints. I don't think our, I was curious if Jameis could bounce back and cause he got up to a really nice start with the saints last year. And I do, I don't think he's as flawed as he used to be, but he's got a back fracture. Um, the saints are still kind of banged up. What are your expectations for uh, the Vikings in London against the saints? Jameis Winston is who I always thought he was. He's a guy that's going to be a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio guy. Even last year, before he got hurt, as great as he was, he was throwing about 165 yards a game. The quarterback is not an issue. The 
The Vikings should win this game with ease, by the way, in the sense that whether it's Jameis Winston or if they decide to make a move with Andy Dalton as the backup quarterback, (laughs) their quarterback situation is so god-awful that we should win this game with ease. He's Jameis Winston is who I always thought he was. Vikings should win. They should go three and one. No question. Yeah, so far, um, the early lines in this game, and things will probably shift a little bit, but Vikings open as two-and-a-half-point favorites um, against the Saints in the London game. So, yeah, we'll see if that's Andy Dalton. We'll see if that's Jameis Winston. I just think, um, you know, with, with the travel and the weird, I think the, and the Saints are getting there, I think, tomorrow. The Vikings, are, I believe, they're leaving a little later. Uh, so it, it's the whole thing's a little weird. But um, I think the Vikings should win if Dalvin Cook is not able to go. In fact, he claims he's still he's going to go. What would if if uh, if uh-huh. realistic Randy was was running that running backs room? What do you say to Dalvin Cook, Randy? I say take the week off. Alexander Madison, Kadeem Wangu, Ty Chandler. I think will be just fine. Jameis Winston has literally four touchdowns, five interceptions this year. Will be just fine. The run game, and by the way. Through Kirk's struggles early in that Lions game yesterday, it was the run game that saved their asses, both Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. I would say, unless the doctors medically clear this guy, Dalvin Cook, he's going to be just fine. He's basically 100%. If he's anything less than that, I would take my chances with Madison and Wong Wu and Chandler. Yeah, I mean, may as he well. Win. Yeah, I, I... I don't think uh, there's no need to rush him, and I know you know a cup. I think pro football said pro football talk said he would potentially wear another brace like he did last year. Dude, just take the week off. Like you're you're two and one. It's not like we're playing for the division. You're playing if we're playing for playoffs. Completely different story. And I'm like, yeah, I might want to give sure. Dalvin Cook the run. And I'm I'm also glad by the way they got him more involved up until he got hurt in the game against the Lions. Like he was getting his touches. He was being Dalvin Cook. He was finding space. He was running off good plays. He looked like he was getting healthy. Alexander Masson can hold down the fort and run for 65 yards. Ty Chandler could potentially be activated. Wong has really been only active on the kick returns. He's actually done a pretty good job on it. So take the week off. I, I'm not going to be completely, uh, completely just devastated if they end up benching Dalvin Cook. In fact, I would make the case they probably just should rest him going into the Saints game. Um, Randy, anything else going into that game? Any other takeaways from week three watching football in the NFL before we wrap up here? I was very impressed by the offensive line yesterday against the Lions. And if they can carry that over in London against the Saints, it doesn't matter who your running back is, to your point. Dalvin Cook, he can take the week off. And Madison and Wangu and Chandler, they'll be just fine. But this has been the the one problem with this team forever now, for years. I can't even think about the last time we had a good offensive line. But what we saw yesterday. Even by Garrett Bradbury. Now, to be clear, I'm not all of a sudden going to be, oh, sign Garrett Bradbury once he's done this season because his fourth year, he's finally good. We're talking about the first three years. 25% of the time, he's been productive. No, you need to still find a center. But the offensive line, they were fantastic yesterday. I'm glad that I saw that. And moving forward, especially with the Saints, Next Sunday in London, if you can keep that same energy, it doesn't matter who the running back is. They're going to win that game. Yep. 
The Vikings go to 3-1 and one potentially, obviously, if they beat the Saints. A couple more games left before the bye week. Uh, Randy, are you buying stock that the Miami Dolphins are, are actually pretty damn legit here? I mean, I know they're undefeated, but are, are you buying stock that they are right up there with the Chiefs and Bills? Yes, I am. Yeah. If nothing else, because of their receivers. Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, they are legit. And Tua Tagovailoa is someone that I just had zero faith in, but this is the year that he's finally stepped up and he's made some fantastic throws and the position that the dolphins are in right now, Mm -hmm. that head coach that they have the shift that they've done with leadership. It's been, it's been nice to see. I'm a believer in the dolphins. I think when we did our prediction for the Vikings record, I said, you know what? There's always going to be that one crazy game that the Vikings lose and the dolphins they're probably loose to them. There's no excuse for that. No, they, they're a legit team. Yeah, they're now. really good. They're really good. So, no, they're, I think it's going to be a competitive game. As long as Kirk understands that beyond Justin Jefferson, you still have players, I think the Vikings still have a chance to win that game. But if they do lose, it's nothing to raise hell about. The Dolphins are just a good team. Yeah, the, uh, I think this, the, that speed is what scares you from the Dolphins, man. Like, they could absolutely yeah. fly. Like, if... And the problem is, and we saw this against the Eagles, uh, like if, if I think if the Vikings want to play track meet football, uh, I just, they they have some nice pieces there. I just think if you stack it up against like the Eagles and Dolphins, it's advantage to them in a track meet. Like if the Vikings want to run a track meet against the Saints or the Lions or the Bears, well, yeah, I'll take the Vikings in that case. But there are a few teams, Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins, Eagles we've seen, that probably have just a little bit more speed, and that's going to be cause for concern for the Vikes. But hey, good problems to have, and obviously we're still we're still getting there. And if the Vikings go into a bye week three and three, or obviously four and two, we'll take that um, take that all day. All right, my man, realistic Randy, appreciate you coming on, man. Every Monday, right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, hit subscribe. We would just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. Also, hit the subscribe button on realistic Randy's YouTube channel. We'll be back next week to break down a game from London. All right, Randy, later, man. Bye.